This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You asked for it, we deliver. A first-round mock draft with trades ahead of the NFL Combine, obviously ahead of free agency and the 2024 NFL Draft. Hayden, this one's all you. This is. It's like uh, teaching Mariano Rivera how to throw a cutter. You are the greatest mock drafter in the world's history, and I'm telling you how to do your first mock draft of 2024. What can go wrong? What can go wrong? Uh, again, I want to stress that this includes trades. I also want to stress that things will drastically change at the <laughs> NFL Combine. Uh with not just the workouts, with the medicals, also with the conversations, things will drastically change in free agency. This is almost the second part, Hayden, of the show that we just did about team needs, not just the top three for each position. Sometimes it's top seven, eight, nine yep. for teams as well. So go and watch that video if you have not, and then come back to this one. And as always, we utilize the Mock Draft Simulator over with our friends at PFF. Hayden, Chicago Bears at pick number one. Caleb Williams for me. I think they'll trade Justin Fields for a second round pick plus maybe a second fourth round or something like that. We've talked about it before. Just the difference in money. Plus, in my opinion, Caleb Williams, his arm talent is ridiculous. His scrambling ability is ridiculous. He turns the ball over a little bit more than what like someone like Patrick Mahomes does. But that's because he's creating so much time. I think that this one is pretty much locked in already. Do you think that Bears fans have kind finally come around to – the conclusion that they are drafting a quarterback at the top of the draft. Uh, I don't know many Bears fans, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there was yes. that period of yes. time for weeks and months on Twitter that if you suggested it, that they would be like, no, Justin Fields is right. Our right. Yeah. Watch more Caleb Williams tape. Things will start <laughs> feeling better. Okay. At pick number two, who is selecting there and who are they selecting? Uh, the commanders, I think, are going to stay put. I think that and I agree with this, it's kind of a one, two, and then you get to the third quarterback. And it's the guy that we just talked to in Vegas, Drake may, I do believe is going to be the quarterback here. Um, he just got all the tools in the world, a couple inaccurate throws, uh, last year based off of the footwork, but this is a young prospect that's ready to go. And he's just been kind of in this one, two discussion, even going back before this last season. So I think this one's too easy and the commanders will stay put with, the connection that we have with Cliff Kingsbury, with obviously the connection of Caleb Williams to the Washington area. Do you think that there will be phone calls from Washington at number two up to Chicago at number one? Yeah, I would guess that those phone calls would last about eight seconds on the Bears end and that they would stake Caleb Williams. But crazier things have happened. Uh, right. Caleb Williams is a massive favorite right now in the betting markets to go first overall. We could possibly see a trade, but... I think that would be like kind of galaxy brain. You'll see like quarterback changes one to two. You just take the guy that you'd want. I do feel like when the NFL combine begins is when teams start firming up their quarterback evaluations because they finally get, you know, the 20 minutes plus meeting with mm -hmm. them. And then obviously the pro day circuit, interview circuit, so on and so forth. That maybe if there was a just hair difference between the two grades of Caleb Williams and Drake May, then the Chicago Bears would entertain it a little bit more. But rarely do you see that happen. Rarely yeah. do you see that happen at the quarterback position when it's typically you fall in love with one person and not a multitude of, mm -hmm. of others. And also, just linking here the first and second overall picks, how Ryan Poles has discussed the number one pick in his hand thus far is very different than he did at this time last yeah. year. I mean, he has absolutely said that he wants to carry these picks with him all the way up until the NFL draft, which, as we know, the conversations at that point with the Houston Texans start the NFL combine, and then you kind of go from there. Okay, mm -hmm. pick number three, who is picking and who are they selecting? I want to kind of walk through what a trade would look like here oh. for the New England Patriots because when we went to, through the team needs, they have a bunch of them. 
And there's some teams I think that would want to go the quarterback route. Maybe some teams that have a better team in place. And I think there's a couple that stand out like the uh, mock draft simulators pointing out the Vikings would make some sense, but I'm going to say at number eight and I want the Falcons to trade up for Jaden Daniels here. So we can kind of force this one in the reason why I think that Jaden Daniels would make some sense is just because he's in a much older prospect uh, than like JJ McCarthy. If they had to wait at number eight and this team is in my opinion, ready to win immediately. The offensive coordinator likes quarterbacks that stay in the pocket. Obviously, Jaden Daniels can scramble a ton, but he also threw a million fade routes from inside the pocket. So I want Jaden Daniels up with the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, well, you got to talk me through the trade. What is the compensation that you are thinking of at this moment? Usually it's like a future one. I, I, I haven't looked at the exact details of this. We can try a future one and a third round pick, something like that. Okay. Okay. I'll type that in just because, you know, the comments get on you if you don't have what the information is going to be. Here sure. we go. We are back to the Atlanta Falcons at pick number three. And that means Jaden Daniels as the selection here. I bet the New England Patriots are hoping, crossing everything on their body, that Jaden Daniels and really all three of these quarterbacks to whatever they participate in show out at the NFL yes. Combine because that puts really the Patriots in a leverage spot. And just as we talked about in the last show, the words that the Atlanta Falcons and Terry Fontenot and Raheem Morris and Arthur Blank are using right now, to me, means they're going to be extremely aggressive attacking the quarterback mm -hmm. position. Now, they're probably not going to be the only one, um, but this number three spot, it could easily be quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. But also, Hayden, could you see the Patriots viewing – Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. as a rare elite prospect and someone we just can't move off of, even if someone is calling with a quarterback. I think that's certainly possible. I do think if a team's calling for quarterback, they would have to consider it. But I was kind of like counting the prospects before there's a tier break. And number eight is a good spot. So mm. you, the Patriots can move down, get a couple draft picks, but still get a premier player. And that's what's going to happen here in just a second. And just to think of this, very few teams that are drafting in the top three or even heck the top 10 believe that they are going to be drafting in the top three or the top 10 the following year. So once you're like close enough to go after a position that is coveted and is so important, they get super aggressive in those mm -hmm. spots frequently. So again, to me, I would understand, even though I am with you that this conversation that's around Drake me right now, where some people are really cold on him. I don't understand it. Um, he is a tier above Jaden Daniels, but at the same time, it is so clear why other people are falling in love with Jaden Daniels. And then there's also a chance that, you know, a majority of teams fall in love with all three too. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, real quick, just I was looking at the Patriots and their cap space, second most cap space in the league right now. Kirk Cousins seems like he can easily hit the free agency market. There's nothing like the Vikings can do about that. To me, like that would make some sense. You already have the defense in place, Robert Kraft. I don't think that he's going to be a patient owner do they throw a bunch of money at kirk cousins we'll figure all this stuff out uh before we have to do more mock drafts okay pick number four is the arizona cardinals right now this one's chalk marvin harrison jr makes so much sense here i do think that they could consider someone like malik neighbors but marvin harrison uh more size for them on the perimeter especially if they keep marquise brown here go back and watch his tape a ton and i think it's easier to go through his flaws as a prospect, the flaw that I came up with is yards after the catch ability is like not there as like the complete transcendent player, but everything else is. And there's no reason that he will be falling. Yeah. If, if you just look at what Kevin's fancy did in Cleveland with Amari Cooper plus David Njoku and now Drew Petzing with Troy McBride and Marvin Harrison Jr., it would make a ton of sense, even if you do keep Hollywood Brown. And mm -hmm. that seems very much up in the air at this point. Yep. yep. Pick number five currently owned by the Los Angeles Chargers. When we went through the team needs, I thought the Chargers had a ton of needs. They have a couple star players out there, but the rest of it is not in order. I also think that Harbaugh is going to want to build this thing from inside out. So I think a trade down would make some sense. I do believe the hype that JJ McCarthy is going mm. to be a top 12 ish pick. In fact, I can see him there being a race to make sure you get him. And I think that we go back to the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell. I think this would be a perfect spot wow. for the Chargers and the Vikings to be trade partners, go from five 
to 11 here for the Chargers. And I think that just J.J. McCarthy, the under center stuff, it's going to take some time to develop. But I do think that Kevin O'Connell is the type of uh, coach that would be willing to put in the work. They have the multiple star wide receivers. They have T.J. Hawkinson to help J.J. McCarthy out. And I just do believe in his traits. We'll obviously go through his film evaluation in a week or two, but just way more mobile than people want to give credit for. And I think that his arm strength will get better over time. So I do think you have to kind of bet on the future with J.J. McCarthy. But I think multiple teams will be wanting to do that. I just love the fit uh, with the Vikings. What a storyline of Jim Harbaugh coaching J.J. McCarthy and then trading out of the selection for the team that is trading up for J.J. McCarthy as a top five selection. Hey, you open that sentence by saying, I firmly do believe the hype that J.J. McCarthy would be drafted in the top 12. There's a very big difference between top five and top 12. Right. But I, I think that if Jaden Daniel, if he goes one, two, three quarter with the top three teams needing quarterbacks, I think that there's a looking at the Raiders, the Broncos, maybe the Patriots, maybe the Giants. There's a little bit of a race to find mm. a quarterback. And I think coming out of the senior bowl, very little buzz from Bo Nix and Michael Penix coming there. And I think that those guys are going to be like late round one, day two type of players. And I think that this middle range, there's like five or six teams that need somebody like McCarthy. And it could be a little bit of a race. You've often tweeted that J.J. McCarthy will really pique the interest of the McVay, Shanahan tree. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell stems and coached with Sean McVay for quite some time, attacked Mm -hmm. him on the field. And I talked about his top 10 or top three. uh, The Vikings sitting there at number 11. Never do they believe that once again, they will be in a position where you open the season with Kirk Cousins, then you trade for Joshua Dobbs, then you have to pivot on over to like Jaron Hall and Nick Mullins, and you're still not even a top 10 selection on top of that. So like they truly probably feel that this was the earliest that they'll be drafting for quite Mm -hmm. some time. I I completely agree. By the way, I've I've seen people say like, why Will Levis was like mocked top five and he completely fell out of the first round. What's the difference between McCarthy and Levis? Because they're both getting hype at this point in the season. Well, Will Levis was an older prospect, did not win as often as J.J. McCarthy. Like The NFL told J.J. McCarthy, come out right now, and I think that's a huge difference versus Will Levis, who had been in college football for so long. For the people that are new to the channel, I mean, almost all of March and all of April, we will have individual prospect videos, including tape for many of them, where we go through what I think, what you think of these prospects, and we really never speak about them mm-hmm. before then, which makes the conversation even better. So one, hit subscribe button. But two, Hayden, to get into that conversation a little bit, are you not at all concerned about how often he was asked to throw the football? Uh, it's a concern, but also the context is they didn't throw very many screens. They didn't throw RPO routes. Like all the cheap targets weren't there. He was under center, which is unlike the other quarterbacks out there they were also winning at halftime by like two touchdowns on average they led at halftime in every single one of their games they had a good ground game with blake quorum and a good offensive line and they had the best defense in college football so you throw all that in why would you throw the ball 45 times obviously uh, i do think one of the reasons why is he is just very young so uh, somebody like michael Penix, who's been around college football for five six years i think yeah he should be throwing the ball a little bit more and this is also the big 10 not the pac-12 I think they led at halftime by an average of like 13.7 points yeah. or something. Yeah. Pretty it's nice. Crazy. Okay. Here we are at pick number six, the New York giants. I think this will be offensive line or wide receiver. And both Malik neighbors and Roma Dunze are on the board here. What I think that they need more is the X wide receiver, the more size in between the two prospects there. I think this will be, Roma Dunze here. Mm. I don't think Malik neighbors should fall this far, but I think looking at kind of what the team needs exactly are uh, Malik neighbors a little bit more in the slot, a little bit less size. Roma Dunze fits exactly what uh, the giants need. You have Jalen Hyatt down the field. Roma Dunze can do a little bit of everything. Wandale Robinson underneath. Maybe you get something out of Darren Waller. Maybe Daniel Jones is healthier to start. And then you can get this Brian Dayball project uh, on track here. So I think it's going to be offensive line or one of these premier wide receivers. The offensive line conversation is interesting because yes, that's where the giants absolutely struggled last year, but they partially had that issue because of Andrew Thomas's injury at left tackle. And then if you draft a tackle, then that means you're immediately putting them over to the right side and almost giving up on Evan Neal and forcing yeah. him inside to guard. And so like where the positional value fits 
this early, it certainly feels like wide receiver mm-hmm. as the pick rather than one of the offensive tackles and then move some of the pieces, even though Evan Neal obviously is play. But again, this is the same, you know, decision makers that made the Evan Neal selection. So like they probably do not want to give up on I that agree. already and move him inside. And Roman Dunze also extremely good. Yeah. And then you can get, you know, Jalen Hyatt as the moving piece and not ask him to face press coverage mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage and so on and so forth. That fits. And obviously Wandale Robinson in the slot. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, as we've talked about on our team needs videos, almost everyone in this top 10 needs offensive line, wide receiver or quarterback help. Interesting. We're here at pick number seven with the Tennessee Titans. This to me would be between the left tackle of the future or in Malik neighbors. If they also need wide receiver help. Uh, I went with Joe Alt, the left tackle uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, Bill Callahan's coming over. He's going to have to decide, does he want to work with Andre Dillard at left tackle or not? I'm assuming that he just wants Joe Alt in there instead of Andre Dillard uh, work with uh, his son, the new head coach there, and build a left tackle, left guard tandem, both top 10 picks yeah. uh, for the future. And I think that Will Levis needs that because I think he's got a little bit of panicky to his game. And I think that establishing a good offensive line in front of him is one of the reasons why the Titans have really collapsed the last couple of years. Yeah, Will Levis is a fun player to watch because he is going to make big throws in every single contest. I do think that he will be far more successful, and this can go for any quarterback, with that mentality if he has a clean pocket to operate. Other than like the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants and the New York Jets, the the Tennessee Titans were right there in terms of awful offensive line play. And I I do think that Will Levis' style – it will just make him more consistent on a weekly basis to have obviously that protection and the left side pairing Joe Alt with Peter Skoronsky would make mm-hmm. you know those two spots um, really locked down for years and years to come. Well, look at the number eight Patriots in the trade down. They still get a premier wide receiver. That's what I was talking about when you're like counting the stud prospects. There's kind of eight to nine of them and Malik neighbors with the Patriots. I mean, this would be a complete slam dunk win. If you are New England, whether they get a Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill as a veteran quarterback, but they get some more draft capital to plug in some of the offensive line needs, but also still getting Malik neighbors who they just need juice. So I think that this would be an excellent thing uh, if this were to happen. Okay, just going over to pick number nine now. Could you see with how the Houston Texans pulled off an awesome trade last year for picks number two? And number three, mm-hmm. could you envision Ryan Poles with all of these assets and what he has done with them moving up from pick number nine and going up, not moving back, but moving up, even though you don't already have a second round pick? Well, you're going to get more picks from the Justin Fields trade, too. So they're going to have more draft capital than what's currently listed. So I do think that you could add another wide receiver, something that I've been asking uh, the Bears to establish just because the drop off, especially without Darnell Mooney from one to two at wide receiver is really bad. But looking at Shane Waldron, what did he do with the Seahawks? He was mixing up tight ends back and forth as well. Brock Bowers is not like your traditional tight end. He can be used as kind of a weapon in the slot and on the flats. So why, why don't we link up with Brock Bowers here? And I was looking at the Cole Komet contract. It was a huge contract, but a lot of it was not guaranteed. You can actually get out of his contract after this season. Let Brock Bowers put on some weight this year. Use these two tight end sets with Shane Waldron. I believe we have a video basically on that two tight end usage, but I just think that he would establish a uh, easy outlet into the flats and Caleb Williams threw a lot of balls uh, into that area last year. I think that Brock Bowers, I don't see him falling uh, too much further than this. Yeah. In terms of 12 personnel last season, the Seattle Seahawks were 13th in the league at 22%. They obviously ran some 13 personnel. They did some really funky formations with sidecar things. If you're asking me, from my seat, I would rather Ryan Poles try to move up for one of these mm-hmm. other spots and go and get that other star wide receiver. Not anything against Brock Bowers, but like one spot ahead is Malik Neighbors, and then it goes to Brock Bowers, which, you know, can be listed as a pass catcher and not just purely a tight end, especially how he's used across the formation, underneath, more down the field, judge out the catch, so on and so forth. But I do wonder, it, it is intriguing to me that Ryan Poles sat there and saw what the Houston Texans did last year and even give up future assets to go and get both C.J. Stroud and then Will Anderson on top of it, and then both won you know, rookies of the year at mm-hmm. their individual sides of the ball, and him thinking, mm, should I do the exact same thing? 
I would be completely open to it. Let's get Caleb Williams some help. Okay. Pick number 10, currently the New York Jets. It's going to be one of the tackles, uh, and the consensus is Olu Fashano, the left tackle from Penn State. Uh, really athletic, kind of inconsistent player, but he was mocked in the top 10 even going before this last season. So uh, left tackle, right tackle, the Jets need both of them. Uh, this wouldn't even be their only move at the position. Um, there's some other really promising tackles in this class as well, but Fashano was like supposed to be this guy, and I'm guessing that his athletic traits at the combine will kind of lock him up as a top 15 pick. Yeah, uh, we talked about it with the team needs how, you know, Dave Bakhtiari will be a free agent. And if, you know, Aaron Rodgers and his list invites <laughs> him on over, but you can't bank on a guy who's played what 14 games or 13 games over the last three seasons to be your top left tackle. And obviously, even if they lose Bryce Hall, then, you know, the team has thought of that in advance in drafting Will McDonald last year. Yeah. For their needs right now, pick 10 seems to line up perfectly with the New York Jets. At the it's perfect. Yeah. Okay, then pick 11. This is where the Minnesota Vikings would originally select, but here you have the Los Angeles Chargers. Have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in. Room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. I know you have been there. It's Friday night. You've heard about this one show, one movie, on that only streaming platform you don't have a subscription for. So you hit the free trial, watch it, it's mediocre, and then you totally forget about signing up for this service. Then two months go by, you're checking your credit card statement, and you see $9.99, $9.99. And in your head, you picture $20 turned into flames and vanished away. And you're not alone. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they have forgotten about. But that is where Rocket Money comes in. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you do not use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash underdog. That's rocketmoney.com slash underdog, rocketmoney.com slash underdog. And this is kind of the sweet spot for right tackles in corners. And I think that both of them are needs. I was thinking about Tarion Arnold, the corner out of Alabama, but I'm going to go with the guy listed here, Talisa Fuwanga. Uh, he played right tackle at, uh, Oregon State, I think that he can play right tackle. He also has the size to kick into guard, which they might do. The Chargers kind of have the left side figured out, but the right side between center guard and right tackle is up in the air. He can kind of play any of those spots. I think that he would be a classic hardball pick, get more draft capital, and then also fill up the front seven uh, or the front line before you go elsewhere. Love you mentioning the right tackle aspect of this because Rayshon Slater actually at Northwestern played both spots. Uh, has been a fantastic left tackle when out there on the field. Uh, Fuaga, obviously 699 snaps at right tackle in 2023, 810 snaps at right tackle in 2022. I'm not saying where someone played before is where they are locked in, and that goes for right guard to left guard, left tackle to right tackle, so on and so forth. That's why, you know, you hire offensive line coaches uh, and, you know, have practice and off-season drills and all that stuff. But again, just the fit, just the fit, 
of having Rayshon Slayer stick at left tackle and then bring in a right tackle for that. It makes so much sense. And I'm with you in terms of how Jim Harbaugh wants to build the inside out, a lot of spine and build that up. Mm-hmm. And then we win from there. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen changing spots from college to the NFL, this little chart right here shows that centers play center. If you played center in college, you're most likely to play center in the NFL, but the tackle spots, they kick in everywhere, especially the, uh, the right tackles in college, they'll play anywhere uh, across the line in the NFL. So I think this is like really cool research from Anthony. Now we're at the Russell Wilson less Denver Broncos here at pick number 12. I'm sure that they were one of the teams that you were considering a move up for one of the quarterbacks as well. Yeah. I, just, I wonder if it's a little bit too early. Um, I've seen them connected like the Sam Darnold. I wonder if they would like rather try to the Baker Mayfield route here as well. Um, I went with edge rusher. It's just such a huge need for them. They were like rotating guys back and forth uh, at Al- Alabama, Dallas Turner. He's supposed to be the consensus uh, edge one right here. And it's just such a huge need. They were not able to provide any pr- pressure and going back to the Saints days. It really was a lot of uh, okay. defensive line. Uh, totally. But at that time, also on offense, it was Drew Brees and a bunch of other players. I mean, the Broncos didn't pick, I believe, until the third round last year. Then they trade up into round two, and their first pick was a wide receiver in Marvin Mims. I just wonder, like with Sean Payton in like full ownership of this team, if he is willing at the 12th overall pick to go to the defensive side of the ball when he understands that sure. he's the one who's coaching the offense every week, and that's where all the question marks are, mm-hmm. even if the defense isn't as good on top of that too. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's totally fair. I'm sure that he has – plenty of leeway here <laughs> considering the gm that traded for totally russ is still there uh yeah totally okay pick 13 right now it is the las vegas raiders uh tearing on arnold the cornerback out of alabama it's not the most glaring need but he was just so good i've watched uh some terry on arnold uh just because i've been watching a bunch of these wide receiver prospects and he was an absolute menace out there so uh the raiders played pretty good defense especially down the stretch out there but they're lacking like that true number one young guy in the secondary and think that terry arnold is going to be a top 15 pick. And I think that he's kind of one of the underrated guys that could sneak into the top 10, uh, even though it's basically all offensive players uh, in most mock drafts. So I think some people might be wondering, okay, you look at this draft and there really aren't any defensive pieces Mm -hmm. until you have pick number 12, I believe, unless I miss one ahead of that. Nope. That's it. Um, My brain goes back to the 2021 draft where JC Horn was the first one. Then Patrick Sertan at picks eight and nine. I don't know if I remember a draft where there was not a defensive player inside the top 10. It could easily happen this year. I yeah. mean, and, and tackles, that, quarterbacks, receivers. Whew. That that was kind of my narrative I was spinning there was in a class that when you go through the needs of each one, it's quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver in the top 10, and then the players at those spots are also the premier prospects in this class. We might get it. We mm-hmm. might get it here. Okay. Now we go to pick number 14. This is the New Orleans Saints. We talked about in the team needs. The edge in the defensive line is just not where it needs to be. They've kind of made some big swings on offense. It's time to kind of fill up the holes on defense. Uh, Jared Verse from Florida State, big dude out there. Uh, he's supposed to be kind of like either edge two, edge three, right in the middle uh, of the teens is kind of where he's at. But I do think that he would check a lot of boxes uh, just because the Saints have not been able to rush the passer and the guys that they do have rushing the passer. A lot of them are on the older side. Cameron Jordan, one of those names. Obviously, they tried the Marcus Davenport deal a few years ago. Uh, it's it's an interesting time to be a New Orleans Saints fan. There's a lot coming out right now. We talked about the team needs episode uh, with Nick Underhill and how Clint Kubiak is coming in and changing the way they're going to do offense in terms of motion. I do wonder also at tackle here because obviously it didn't work out with Trevor Pinning and then Ryan Ramchick is dealing with a ton of injuries. If this is one of those positions that they've already invested so much in, but that's for a reason. They really mm-hmm. believe in building up the offensive line, even if some of the picks haven't either worked or they're starting to get old or they're starting to get injured on top of it. So again, this might be the sweet spot, even though it's, you've seen a few tactics already go off the board. Yeah. There's a lot of them though, at least. Okay. Pick number 15 right now owned by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I think that secondary, they can kind of plug this thing in the slot outside and even at regular safety and Cooper DeGene could play all of them. I think that you're going to love this dude. When, once we finally get into watching these guys in depth, 
uh, can play basically everywhere. Uh, the Colts, we talked about it. The offense seems pretty solid. The offensive line is good. You have Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman will be back either with franchise tag or an extension. Uh, they got the running back figured out as well. So I think that the defense is the spot there. Their edge rushers already have a good one two tandem there. So I think finding a secondary or a defensive tackle, I think that's kind of the sweet spot for them. Nice. Okay, let's keep it moving. The Seattle Seahawks here at pick 16. John Schneider is now in charge of the roster. Mike McDonald obviously comes in as the head coach. Does he add to his role-playing defensive pieces that you can move around, or do you go on the offensive side here? Let's go offense here. Um, McDonald, hopefully he he believes in himself that he can turn around. There's There's some legit talent on the Seahawks defense. Jackson Powers Johnson, center out of Oregon here. Wow. He was the guy that really stood out uh, in the Senior Bowl. Uh, Oregon's offense was so much fun to watch. They used like a lot of screens and quick hitting things, and this is the guy that they get out there in space, uh, similar to kind of like how they would use Kelsey out there. Obviously, that's humongous praise, but I thought that the guard-center-guard combination for the Seahawks was the reason why the Seahawks went from like a for sure top 10 offense two years ago to last year, a little bit more average than what we were thinking for. And I think that Jackson powers Johnson would fill a need. Certainly 829 snaps at center last year, 350 snaps at right guard in 2022 played a little bit of each spot in 2021. I'm with you. Like in a perfect world, Charles cross, Abe Lucas are your left tackles and your right tackles. And then figure out the interior of that. And uh, then you got, Got some stuff mm-hmm. to work with and young, young pieces along the offensive line there. Okay. Yeah, that, that guy's going to join the list. That's oh, you think so? That is your prediction. If yeah. you do not know what the list is, I don't know. It feels like a <laughs> decade now ago. Um, I strove to figure out what is the one combine measurement that the elite testers complete that best predicts uh, success at the NFL level. That turned out to be the 20 yard short shuttle time for offensive linemen. You have to hit a certain threshold. And when you do, you go in and start like 84% of your NFL games. It's not so stuff. Um, speaking of Abe Lucas, he was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't watched that video, it's on the channel. Weaves will throw up the thumbnail right now. Go and find it. Uh, I'm very proud of it. Let's go. Very proud of the list. Okay. Pick number 17, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Byron Murphy, defensive tackle out of Texas for Jacksonville. They've obviously made some huge, huge additions at edge rusher, but the defensive tackle spot has been very inconsistent. Them, them stopping the run uh, just really has been uh, quite bad uh, for the last couple of seasons. So Byron Murphy, uh, I think he's going to be a freak tester as well, but I think that even more important than that, uh, this is just a big need for Jacksonville. Interesting. Um, obviously, they have Ryan Nielsen moving over from the Atlanta Falcons to their defense coordinator job. You know, I thought that Ryan Nielsen with what he the cards he was dealt with in Atlanta mm-hmm. did a fantastic job. He was one of the earliest hires of this coaching cycle. Um, and so, yeah, with Josh Allen, obviously getting most like the franchise tag and maybe a longer term contract off of that. And then obviously you have Trayvon Walker, so on and so forth. Getting one of those into your pieces mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense. It's like Grady Jarrett. It's like Grady Jarrett. Okay. Pick 18, the Cincinnati Bengals. Seems like they're going to tag T. Higgins. Right tackle, to me, is a massive spot. The good news is a lot of these offensive tackles uh, are right tackles, including uh, J.C. Latham out of Alabama. It's either him. I want to give a shout-out. This dude out of Georgia, Armarius Mims. Let's go with Armarius Mims here just because I think that he's going to be a humongous riser based off of the NFL Combine, at least in the media circus. Uh, I'll I'll tell Weaves to post this after, but there was this video of him in high school, and look at the size difference between him and then the rest of his high school teammates. Like every single year, there's a couple of videos that pop up. This is a reminder how crazy these dudes are. He's one of them. He's massive. He's super athletic. Um, I think that he's going to be somebody that uh, will help Joe Burrow long term. Yeah, seeing him warm up with his high school teammates looked like you trying to box <laughs> yes. up that dude getting a rebound. <laughs> yes. Um, Amarius Mims just talking about where he lined up over the last few years, 297 snaps at right tackle in 2023, 383 at right tackle. So he's been a right tackle his entire career, which makes a lot of sense when you're trying to replace Jonah Williams, who made a bit of a fuss moving over to right tackle spot. And obviously mm-hmm. Orlando Brown is your left tackle. I do think 18 is the absolute latest some like Brock Powers lasts. Yeah, for sure. He would be so good with the Colts, with the Bengals, but yeah. Pick 19, 
the Los Angeles Rams. I think they can use some help in the secondary. Quinion Mitchell, cornerback of Toledo, he went down there at Senior Bowl and really stood out. Uh, apparently, he's going to run like four threes somewhere in that. Man coverage could fight it, like kind of like a lesser version of like what Sauce Gardner did from like oh. a lesser school that was really rangy, really athletic, and really stood out throughout the entire process. That's kind of what Quinion Mitchell is leading up to. The Rams just have not had the like number one true corner since trading Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Pick number 20. Now we have the Pittsburgh Steelers who uh, obviously have needs at multiple spots, including quarterback. Where are you going to head in this direction? Uh, I'm actually going to pick right here. Nate Wiggins, the cornerback out of Clemson. You got, you already hit on Joey Porter, but, uh, because of free agency, because of Pat Peterson's age and him kind of kicking into the slot. I do think that that cornerback is on the market. I also think offensive tackle, uh, would make some sense, especially Broderick Jones went from left tackle in college to right tackle as a rookie. They have some flexibility at offensive tackle. So I certainly think that is on the radar. I also think that Jackson powers Johnson, that center we talked about, he would be a perfect fit with the Steelers. But in this case, Nate Wiggins kind of the best player available for a position to need. Um, when I used to go through all of like the team's tendencies of how they would draft the Pittsburgh Steelers and now they've, you know, changed some decision makers over the years, uh, always, always would side with bigger programs, uh, in early round picks. I mean, over the last few years, it's Georgia. Yeah. Then it was, uh, Pittsburgh, which, you know, worked in the same locker room and played in the same stadium with Kenny Pickett. Then before that, it was Alabama. Before that, it was Notre Dame. Before that, it was Michigan. Before that, it was Virginia Tech. Before that, it was Wisconsin, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. So they love their big-time programs, and obviously Clemson fits that with their first-round selection. The Miami Dolphins at pick 21, as we said in the Team Needs videos, the oldest roster in the NFL. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline surprising i think there's gonna be some crazy moves that happen with miami um i do think that they need to address the offensive line and washington prospect troy uh fotano what's nice about him is he played tackle out at washington okay. but everyone's kind of projecting him as a guard well that's kind of perfect for what the dolphins need because they need guards and centers because of free agency potentially but also like you brought up on the team needs Teron Armstead up there in age, the injuries up there. This would be kind of a fallback option, maybe a long-term play there. But in the meantime, could play up front, just the Dolphins. If you don't, if they can't run block, if they can't protect Tua, things really collapse fast. So I do think that offensive line should be the priority here. Yeah, they're they're a very interesting team because obviously they're still over the salary cap. They can move some things around, but. You mentioned Teron Armstead. Connor Williams at center is a free agent. Robert Hunt, <clears throat> excuse me, on the right side is a free agent as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just drafting an offensive lineman at either one of those spots or someone that can be moved into one of those mm -hmm. spots makes a ton of sense because we know that they seemingly are locked into Tua Tungavailoa and keeping him upright and less under pressure uh, just leads to success far more often. The Philadelphia Eagles in a bit of a crossroads moment here at pick number 22. I'm not sure if I hate this or love this, but what happens with Howie Roseman? He picks premier positions yep. and then just hammers them over the head. Well, I think he's pretty much maxed out doing that on the offensive line and the defensive line, both at tackle and at edge rusher. He could do that at wide receiver, though. They need a third wide receiver. <laughs> they have two studs, but you use three wide receivers and Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, I think that he can go uh much higher than this, kind of like in the 14-ish range here. But Brian Thomas Jr., this is just hitting that really expensive need again and again and again now we're just pivoting to a different position uh but really like quez Watkins, olimita zacchaeus julio jones they're all free agents so like they they truly do need a third wide receiver will it be a first rounder that would be a little bit nuts but we've seen him draft another defensive tackle when we didn't think it's possible another edge rusher when we didn't think it was possible even centers they would do that over and over again why not wide receiver yeah, very intrigued to see if he changes his ways based on how, you know, NFL teams have been attacking his defense. But if not, then, as you said, people have mocked running back in the past. 
to Howard Roseman or linebackers in the first round or safeties and so on and so forth. And it's always premier spots. It's always cornerstone positions. And obviously wide receiver is one of those. I will add like Devontae Smith is going to need a contract here at some point. AJ Brown is already getting paid. Obviously Jalen Hurts just got paid. So like, <laughs> you know, that would be three major investments mm-hmm. into the pass catcher position. That's not even including Dallas Goddard. Anyways, I digress. Next up. Houston Texans at pick number 23 uh, that the Cleveland Browns gave them Alabama corner Kool-Aid McKinstry you can't beat that name but certainly um, obviously you have Alabama connections you also more importantly just have a team need here you need a cornerback to uh, you need a cornerback three they hit on Will Anderson but the defense still is missing like some key players and Kool-Aid McKinstry is supposed to be a first round pick uh, basically in every single mock draft so I think that this is a good team need uh, kind of fit again talk about studs that are young at cornerstone positions. The Houston Texans have checked all those boxes here at this moment. Okay. Pick number 24 currently owned by the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go with Tyler Guyton left tackle out of Oklahoma. This is one where Tyler Smith, we just don't know if he he's or Tyron Smith is going to be back with the team. They have a left guard. That's a phenom. They could kick him out to left tackles. One of these, uh, offensive lines where they can move players back and forth. Uh, but I do think offensive line is going to be at the top of the wish list. And this guy's supposed to be uh, a first rounder. Yeah. Offensive line is always one of those positions that this early in the draft process, people like, man, that's a lot of tackles in the first round, but then you get to like the final two weeks of the draft process and you keep hearing names in like the 18 to 32 sections where you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, they like Anton Harrison. Oh, they like Tony Bergeron. They like so on and so forth that when a team is so uncertain, hey, let's build more along the offensive line, even if he's a fringe round one grade. Not saying that that is the case here for someone that has a lot of experience actually at right tackle Hayden, very little at left tackle. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. 661 snaps at right tackle at Oklahoma, then 350 in 2022 at right tackle. But I'm also... The Tyler Smith thing is on my radar this summer where he's obviously tremendous at guard, but has played tackle in the past. And I do wonder if they just view that as a more premier position to move him outside to that spot too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good theory late in the first round. It's a bunch of tackles. I think the reason why is all those teams have good quarterbacks. (laughs) Keep them alive. (laughs) Speaking of pick number 25, the Green Bay Packers have not really needed to spend a first round pick along their offensive line. They've nailed a bunch of mid to late rounders. Yes, that spot. Where might they go for the youngest team in the NFL? It feels like. All right. Illinois defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton. This is a spot where they they're kind of returning everybody. They've got like decent players up the middle, but like they have they hit a home run yet. I don't think so. And uh, this guy was like, uh, like in the PFF mock draft simulator for example like was previously listed like 13th overall so um there i think there's gonna be some hype with this guy very intrigued by what his measurements will be because and right now he's 6'2 295 the green bay packers historically have had thresholds for certain athleticism traits and measurements and they have been consistent with that through like the ted thompson era to now the brian kudekunst era and there are some people that follow the Green Bay packers very closely that basically say hey these are the eight players that they most likely will take in the first round and so on my radar when it comes to the nfl mm-hmm. combine and measurements when it comes to the Green Bay packers next the Tampa Bay buccaneers at pick number 26 we had some weird things going on with the Mike Evans contract, and it makes me believe that the odds that he actually leaves are higher. We also had the new offensive coordinator called Chris Johnson, uh, Chris Godwin, a slot wide receiver. He played more on the outside. It's a glaring need at outside wide receiver, whether Mike Evans leaves or not. Troy Franklin out of Oregon, a little bit undersized. I don't think he's the perfect player yet, but he is actually, I would say, decent at the catch point downfield, good ball tracking speed for days. Uh, he would do Mike Evans things without the like size, of course, but you can't, it's hard to find Mike Evans guys. I think this would be a step in the right direction to kind of extend the field downfield. You might think this is a ridiculous statement, but, and I know he's probably taller, but do you think that this is a bit of an overlap with like Trey Palmer's skill set already on the team? Yes, but uh, Troy Franklin was like Trey Palmer if he had like 1600 yards, but yes, that, that, that was my. I think my he, point, he, my caveat at the top of that. Right. Uh, I think he can do like tank Dellish type of things. 
By the way, I've seen people mention Tank Dell's a slot wide receiver. You guys need to watch mm. some ball, okay? He's an outside wide receiver. Keep him out there. Let him attack down the field. Get on some corner space. Break it. off of it. Just because he's skinny and small, he doesn't play in the slot. He's not a slot wide receiver. Okay. Pick number 27 for you. This is the Arizona Cardinals right now. They need defensive line help. Like it's nobody's business. That's what they want to build the trenches out. We obviously gave them Marvin Harrison. Layatu Latu out of UCLA. This guy, I mean, he had me in an absolute blender against USC. This guy was uncoverable. This edge rusher, uh, he was phenomenal. The question is, is he, I think he was like medically retired, then came back out of it. So there's a little bit of like injury question marks. He can easily go like, let's say 12th overall, something like that. Or he can slide like I have him here a little bit just because kind of a, a inconsistent evaluation just based off of the medical concerns. But this guy was relentless. And if you watch the USC UCLA game for Caleb Williams or Marshawn Lloyd, uh, pay attention to him. You, you really can't miss him. I would be interested if like there's an offensive lineman that maybe slots ahead of that because obviously wide receiver and offensive line seems to be like the number one need for the Arizona Cardinals at this point. Okay. Pick 28, the Buffalo Bills, also a winning team that might be at a bit of a crossroads right now. They need edge help um, and chop Robinson edge rusher out of Penn state. Now this is like the classic uh, no, no sacks, but might be a 99th percentile athlete. So Odafe Owe. Hey, we've been here before. This is the range where those type of guys tend to go. And I think the Bills need to swing for the fences at edge rusher just because like the AJ Epinesa types and stuff kind of like playing for singles and doubles. Like they just haven't found the juice yet at edge rusher. So Chop Johnson would be like a huge swing at that spot. But uh, I think it's time for them to do it. Detroit Lions at pick number 29. I think they need help in the secondary uh, cornerback out of Missouri, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Just sounds like a Dan Campbell guy. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> that I know anything about this guy. All I know is he's always mocked here. We have plenty of time, if you guys haven't noticed, to figure out the tackle prospects, the uh, defensive player prospects. It's February 21st. I do wonder if they just do not have the cap space to bring back like both starting offensive guards if they just go ahead and invest the 29th overall pick yeah. at one of those spots too, because obviously they have invested so much into that already, but typically you want to keep a strength, a strength, especially when it comes to the quarterback that it's tied to. And so I wouldn't rule that out either. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just a few more selections. Pick number 30, the Baltimore Ravens. I think Bo Nix has a chance to go round one. I'm wow. trying to figure out a team that he would make sense for. If Bo Nix does go round one, I do think it would be a last second trade in like this. We've seen the Ravens go up and down the board historically. Uh, in this one, let's have a little fun. We already made the move down for the Patriots because they got Malik Neighbors. Let's get the Patriots back in there and they go Malik Neighbors and what? Bo Nix. Uh, <laughs> just having a little bit of fun here. Uh, these mock drafts don't matter in February. This is just whoa, 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 content. whoa. We're, we're, I mean, you know who's going to be watching at this moment is Nick Rudman. So, so, you, get a, so you get Malik Neighbors, potential yep. Bo Nix, and then a future first-round pick. I feel like that would be all right. Let's do the offer trade. Uh, we're going to force the we're trade. We're going to force it. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. I wonder if Bo Nix, uh, you know, succeeds on the Rudman wish list here. Yeah. Bo Nix is he can throw on the run a little bit, kind of a dink and dunk accurate. He's been there for a very long time, has seen every coverage imaginable, very consistent, very accurate quarterback. Are you going to be able to hit a home run with Bo Nix? I don't think so. Uh, But I do think that he has like a little bit more pro readiness uh, than the other guys and just very accurate, consistent type of player. You know, whenever I think of, investing in quarterback and wide receiver in the same draft class, my brain instantly jumps to what the Cincinnati Bengals did back in 2011. And that was AJ green in the first round. And then it was Andy Dalton in the second round, obviously quarterback evaluations have changed a little bit Mm -hmm. since then. But I do wonder if a team like the Patriots who, Oh, we have Marvin Harrison way above or in the trade that you mentioned, we can still get one of the premier wide receivers. If they are willing to risk it a bit with, you know, the quarterback either to the end of round one, which we have seen, you know, other teams trade back into round one, either Lamar Jackson or Mm -hmm. Teddy Bridgewater. And it doesn't take that much. It really does not take that much to move up from the top of the second round into the end of the first round in order to 
get the target player that you want. Now that you mentioned, if Bo Nix hits, I do think like Andy Dalton's how he hits. You know, that's kind of the level we're at. Okay, two more picks here. Pick 31, San Francisco 49ers. This would be a steal uh, compared to consensus mock drafts, but J.C. Latham uh, tackle out of Alabama guard and right tackle are needs for San Francisco. This would be an absolute home run. I would be pretty surprised if the 49ers don't use one of their first two, three picks uh, to establish um, just more depth across the offensive line. They need starters too, but they just need to throw more weapons out there aside from Trent Williams. Yeah, J.C. Latham at Alabama, right tackle, 874 snaps in 2023, another 874 in 2022. Played a little bit of right guard on top of that. I do wonder if he is moved around a bit more often. And as you said, other than a guy who's on the list who resurrected his career at age like 31, Jake Brindle at center for the San Francisco 49ers is an undrafted free agent. It's him and Trent Williams and then, you know, some guys they drafted or Mm – just tried to fit in there, right? And so um, Trent Williams obviously covers up a bunch of holes there, but finally investing an early round pick in one of those spots does make some sense. Okay. Pick 32, Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. Offensive tackle, wide receiver. That's the debate here. My brain says they would just go with one of the offensive tackles, but we're not here to make the brain play. We're here to have some fun. So let's look, pull up the wide receiver list and let's go through some of these names here. Lad McConkey, I don't think is exactly what the Chiefs need. Oh. A.D. Mitchell is more. Do you, the you think there's too much of an overlap with like Rasheed Rice, for example? Yeah, I think that Lad McConkey could work more downfield than Rasheed Rice does. Yeah. Certainly, he's not like your typical slot wide receiver, but there's a little bit more overlap. A.D. Mitchell, X wide receiver. I think he's a deep threat more than the Devontae Parker type. He would make some sense. But I just watched Keon Coleman again. And Keon Coleman is just, he's a special player. It's all contested catches, but I do think he plays with more bend than given credit for. People are worried about his 40 time. Sure, that could be a concern. Is that the biggest trait that you need uh, out of your receivers? I also don't think so. Keon Coleman had one of the craziest dunk packages that you can possibly see. He was winning on basically every route downfield, and I loved Keon Coleman as a fit with the Chiefs just because they don't have a downfield threat. They don't have a huge body out there. And if Keon Coleman goes to the Chiefs, get ready to be drafting him real early in fantasy circles. It'd be a perfect, like the opposite profile of what Rasheed Rice gives them. I feel like Keon Coleman is going to be one of those players that the community is split on either from a statistical perspective and then go and actually watching him perspective. And then also how he wins. And if that translates to the NFL, um, fascinating conversation. And I'm sure like this week at the NFL combine is going to be very important for a player like Keon Coleman. Yes. Uh, he is not the separator when it comes to speed, but he plays with more bend than people want to give him credit for come, uh, in breaking routes, uh, comeback routes, all that type of stuff. I do think that Keon Coleman's better than people want to give him credit for. And also like, if you're so good at contested catches, do you blame a quarterback from just keep lobbing him up there? And like that's why his contested catch rate gets higher and higher and higher. It's because he's really good at he's like six four, played basketball. There it is. The first mock draft of the year from this channel. Again, next week we have the NFL Combine, a Drake May video heading in your direction during Ooh. Combine Week that you will not want to miss. Myself, Colt McCoy, sent down for 45 minutes with Drake May as he went through like a dozen plays of his game against Syracuse went into his brain about how he's changing protections, what he's seeing pre-snap, post-snap. I think it's access you just don't get anywhere else. So be sure to check that out on the channel later on this week. Go and check out the other videos that we have for free agency, team needs, all that stuff. And keep in mind, during NFL Combine Week, the players, the prospects go out there, do their thing on the field, and then Hayden and I do our thing on this channel and talk through that's right things that went well things that didn't draft prospects profiles athletic testing composite scores everything that you would want from an event that is near and dear to our hearts let's put it let's that go hundred thousand this close make it happen guys make it happen all right for weaves for hayden i'm josh up the villa we will talk to y'all soon see ya